Weepa team is proud to bring you Weepa Waves, the sound waves of your career. And the F words, the taboo stops here. Let's tackle the tough issues together. Hi, my name is Lindsay Rainwater. I am the founder and CEO of the Women in Fitness Association. We believe that storytelling has a magical way of connecting us all. We give a voice to tough topics and break down any fear of being alone. Weefa Waves is the podcast devoted to the sound waves of your career, giving voice to our global community. Please also enjoy our newest addition to our podcast family, F-Words. We highlight the taboo topics and feature words like fertility, finance, facelift, and fillers. We're going to break down any tough issues that we might face together. Enjoy today's episode of Weefa Waves and F-Words. Today on the Weefa Waves podcast, we are incredibly excited to bring you two powerhouse ladies that work together in synergy, our favorite type, the collaborative type. And today we have Jill Bunny and Kristen Crowley on the podcast. I'm going to tell you a little bit about each one of them. So Jill Bunny, with a cognitive behavioral therapy training and over 15 years of working experience in the fitness industry, not to mention a four-time IFBB bikini champion, which if you've ever trained for an event like that, you'll know just how much of an athlete she is, (laughs) the level of focus and dedication. She's definitely coined the first CBT fitness expert, and you're going to hear why this is such an important topic. She's fought cancer and is an MS warrior for focusing on mind and body, balancing herself and the Reframe Tribe members. Jill, we're so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me and a beautiful introduction. You're going to make me cry already. This is a good start. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So Kristen is a media expert with over 16 years of experience in television and TV news. Follow her on Instagram for some very hot fashion tips. Just saying, Casey stepped away from the anchor desk in 2019 to help pursue women specifically building confidence and getting seen. I can't wait to unpack that. She is the Reframe Signature Branding Retreat Expert and works with Jill on this. Um, she has two giant pups and a military is a military wife with her two amazing kiddos living in Virginia. Um, she, she has also never met a margarita or a French fry that she doesn't like. Hey, oh girl. Um, so excited to have both of you here today. Welcome to the show. Yay. Thank you, Lindsay. I'm so excited. Uh, yeah, no, it, it is hard during this past year. I'm, I'm margaritas are my, my go-to for a lot of things in life as a parent, <laughs> as a, is it finding balance? So I had, you know, thank you for putting that in there. No problem. No problem. <laughs> Um, we always love to start the show with your Weefa why, your Weefa story, a little bit about your. So, Kristen, take us away. W- tell us a little bit about how you found Weefa and your involvement today. Yeah, I found Weefa, honestly, when I was still, um, my background was TV news, as you said. So, I was a news anchor for 12 years. And I was always involved in fitness since I was a little kid. And I know we'll talk about that in a second. But I was following through um, Fitposia, which is a conference in Arizona. 
And Lindsay was on James Patrick's podcast. And he said, this is someone amazing who has created this incredible group to support women in the fitness industry. And I was like, oh, well, then I have to be in that group because I want to support women in the fitness industry, too. And I loved your last name because at the time, again, I was in TV news. So I was like, oh, Lindsay Rainwater would be the best meteorologist name on the face of the planet. And that was the first thought about your name that I had, honestly. And that's why it stuck in my head was probably from the news side. And uh, so that's when I immediately like connected with you on social media, started following WIFA, joined WIFA, and I guess, you know, I'm still here and have been so excited to be a part of it um, in so many ways. So yeah, that's my story. So Jill, I know you found WIFA just a little bit after I did. I found it from you, actually. So I have to give kudos to my bestie here for introducing me to WIFA. And obviously, what you said, I do CBT. And Christian said, well, you know what, you're kind of in this new adventure in the fitness realm. And this would be such a great network for you to connect with like minded women and see if they'd be interested in your new venture. And what I loved most about WIFA was actually speaking to Lindsay one on one. So obviously we connected, Christian CC'd us, and you took the time to get on a phone call and talk to me about what it was about and actually just ask questions about myself, my personal life. And that is what sold me was the personal connection. And I'm all about that. So I don't meet many people and many business owners that uh, will take the time to make a call. And I really did appreciate that. Mm. Well, it's the what you do for the industry and your work and who you are. Um, it's, it's a big deal for me personally. And I'm so glad we got to connect like that. And, um, yeah, thank you for being a part of what we're doing. I appreciate it. And again, even being able to do, uh, last year when the lockdown happened was be able to do, um, that workshop that I did with a different psychologist and talking about anxiety, which was awesome too. So you give so many opportunities for the members to be able to display their expertise. And, uh, Chris and I are so, you know, very, very much grateful for you and for the podcast and also for the webinar that we filmed for the weekend too. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. That's what WEEF is all about is the power of collaboration and how it can mm-hmm. help everyone. So that's what we do, ladies. That's what we do. I love it. I love being a part of it too. <laughs> totally WEEF of magic in action. <laughs> so I'm going to take the next question. Um, I will start with Kristen. So tell us about your early childhood, your first memory or what your parents have told you about like how you were or maybe how you played when you were little and how the, the little you still informs the, 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 the woman you. Oh gosh, this is a crazy one because um, some people have heard my backstories and they're, they're a little wonky, um, not very normal in any way, shape or form. Um, My parents were both, both athletes. um, So obviously fitness side was a no brainer for me. Um, You know, my mom was like a super athlete and I, I was a polar opposite in the sense of, um, I had nothing to do with group sports. I was so painfully shy that I did not talk really until I hit after high school. So I grew up on a horse farm. So for anybody out there that's ever been on a farm life, totally different world. Um, you know, I was an only child. I was very isolated. We didn't live next to other people. Horses were our life. Working was our lives. So that's all I knew. Um, So I related with my mom, who was an entrepreneur from day one. Um, She did real estate and she ran a horse farm and she was a judge. So she never worked for anyone else growing up. And I was very used to seeing a very strong, powerful woman 
who, you know, I felt slightly overshadowed by, to be honest, as a kid, because she was so powerful. And I was just, I, no one believes it now. I was the most quiet, shy child, kept to myself, played in the barn, built forts, did all the, you know, random things you would do on a horse farm, um, (laughs) which was just different. And even in school, I didn't really relate to people because I was raised in such an adult environment. So I ended up going through my childhood really just trying to blend in. I didn't want to stand out because I hated criticism. I was very hard on myself. You know, I had a very perfectionist situation showing horses. So you had to be on your game 24 seven. And when I was at school, I just didn't want to be seen. Um, So I was, again, painfully quiet. And I really honestly didn't speak much or had more than one or two friends until after high school. And that was very hard for some people to find, but a lot of people who know animal therapy and equine therapy, I'm a big proponent of that because mentally it helped me get through bullying and things in school that I went through that kept me very, very quiet. So once I left Michigan, I ended up moving to Virginia and I figured nobody knows me here. So I might as well start to get loud and talk about what I want to talk about. Um, what, what's, what's the harm? And it, it kind of shaped me in the fact that I spent most of my childhood looking from the outside in. So I, I really gained a lot of perspective for how people reacted to situations and how they felt. So I was very empathetic with animals in general. So I think I used that to try and in my adult life, the young me is still that empathetic person. So I'm always the one who wants to look out for everybody else's feelings. I want them to feel included. I want them to feel seen um, because a lot of times I wasn't as a kid. So I think that shaped me big time for the adult part of why, and even Jill and I in our tribe, um, I'm like the welcome wagon with anybody that walks into a room because <laughs> I never want them to feel like they don't belong there because I think everybody deserves respect at that same level. So mm-hmm. my childhood was definitely different, but it, it, it taught me a lot about hard work and discipline and how to treat things with kindness. So I think that was my biggest takeaway. That's, that's an amazing story of, of how you were able to just really shift from the the observer, the quiet observer, to to the to the woman in the room, <laughs> and and still hard. and still take it with you. Yeah, it's hard because I think we all try and be a little quiet. You know, when we're unfamiliar with things, we're scared to do something. We're so quiet about it, and I I missed out on a lot of opportunities. I really did because I didn't start taking chances until I was in my late twenties. And that's when I went into television and that's when I started doing things. And I was like, you know what? I actually love this, but I'm too afraid to do it. So I wasn't afraid, you know, I'm not afraid of a 1500 pound animal, but I was definitely afraid of talking in front of another human. <laughs> so two totally different things. Um, but it's, it's different how that, yeah, you guys asking that question, you know, it makes me look back on it a lot and realize, I mean, I'm so grateful I had that because most children don't have, you know, the luxury of waking up in the morning and being around 30, 40 horses and, and experiencing that every day. So we all go through something for a reason, I think, to help other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. Bill, you're up. Well, I definitely didn't live around 30 to 40 horses. I think I had like a goldfish. So uh, (laughs) you went on that one. (laughs) How how long did that goldfish live? Not very long. (laughs) You have to clean the water. (laughs) You do. Yeah, you have to feed it too. (laughs) Oh, hello there, buddy. Um, So like I'd say my childhood, similar in some ways. And, you know, it was such a great question to reflect back on who we've come as people and as adults. Um, Both my parents are teachers. 
uh, which shows why I love books and I love to write. So majority of my childhood, I'd be stuck in my room reading Nancy Drew books or taking my stuffed bear Eric and writing stories of what we would do. And it's funny because I read every single day. I'm a book nerd and I love to write and done three or four books now. So that's kind of continued on with me. Um, but I have a brother as well. He's older. And I think anybody that has an older child just wants to be them. And my brother was incredible athlete. And I thought, well, I want to be one too. And unfortunately, I was a girl. He was a boy. He didn't want to play with me. And I remember vividly my first memory starting out as an athlete was cutting my hair. So I thought if I had short hair, my brother would think I was a boy and then he would play with me. Well, that didn't work. But I did realize that I was really good at sports as well. And that kind of just shifted and molded me throughout uh, grade school and high school. And that's kind of where I found my identity. It was very hard going to a school that was full of rich kids. Now, my parents were teachers and they wanted me to have the best education possible, which meant we had to have a house that was in proximity of the best school. So obviously we didn't have the money. My parents were teachers, uh, but they afforded me to go to that school. Obviously I didn't have the clothes or anything like that, like the rest of the kids did. And I just put myself as an athlete so that I could fit in and wear Nike clothes and not be like made fun of. So that kind of just pushed me and segued into volleyball. So I played for junior national in Canada, got a scholarship at university, did a kinesiology degree. And that literally just then morphed into becoming a fitness competitor for four years. And um, yeah, so really looking back now as an adult, I like to write, I like to read, and I still love sports. (laughs) (laughs) So really, I'm the same kid as I was like 30 years ago. (laughs) Way to stay in your lane. You know what? You commit. This is what we know. If you're consistent and you commit, success happens. So there you go. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, and for both of you, I would love to know, you know, it's it's so interesting. I love that question because it really forces the rewind clocks to go, okay, what did I do when I was little? And to really look at how that informs your day-to-day now when you're really functioning from purpose, it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kristen, when you look back through your career, do you see like a couple highlights that pop out to you personally that tie into that? Oh, gosh. Um, so my whole motto, and this is now that I'm in my 40s, I've had four major careers in my four decades so far, which is crazy because most people look at that as shifting a lot. Most of mine overlapped. So I've been in most of my careers for up to 10 to 15 years because they all overlapped in some weird way. Um, my biggest milestones were... Um, I actually went to a school during high school that was like a vocational studies. So I got my degree during high school. So when I graduated high school, I started to work in fashion merchandising. So that was my big thing. I was like, I grew up on a horse farm, but I always wanted to wear the fancy clothes I saw in the Vogue and the Cosmo magazines. And I wanted to be that person. And that was hard, especially for a lot of the fitness women out there, you know, that was the Kate Moss era and the era of the waif model and very difficult on young girls and especially to portray that. So I know that caused a lot of issues for me going through high school and I just wanted to get the hell out of Dodge. That was my whole agenda. I grew up on a farm my whole life. I was working like literally my family never took a vacation. I've never had a day off until I turned 18. So we never vacationed. We never spent any time away from the farm except to go to shows. 
So I was very used to um, work, 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 work. And I knew that was my way out. So I worked two to three jobs in high school to save up money, got my degree, got to work with Lord and Taylor department store. And they hired me on unbeknownst the fact that I was way underage. Um, and I was hired as a visual merchandising manager, which means you go and set up the entire interior of the stores. You design the windows, the displays, all the fun stuff, right? It's like playing the ultimate Barbie house. Like I got to design everything and they hired me to come and leave Michigan and go and open a store in Virginia. And they did not know that I was 19 at the time. So I was hired on as the youngest manager ever in the company to run and operate and open new stores at 19. So <laughs> same as you want to find out. Um, so they found out I hit it until I okay. turned, I moved, I actually physically moved to the location the day after my 20th birthday. And uh -huh. I drove down from Michigan and, you know, drove down with my U-Haul and my little yellow truck behind it. And I was ready. And I just as Jill did, I cut my hair so I would look older. So I had, you know, I did a short bob because I was like, I have to look professional, right? So what do you do? You cut your hair, um, which didn't make me look any older. <laughs> but it's in my opinion, it made me look really good. I moved here and um, they found out because I couldn't get a rental car because you couldn't get a rental car under the age of 21. So I... <laughs> started going to work. I would use taxis until I got all my stuff moved here to get around. And this is back in the day before, this is before we had computers at home even. Um, this was in 1999. So this was a whole new world. So they really couldn't look me up. There was no social media. There was no, you know, so I got to skate under the radar as a executive or, a, you know, an executive manager. And when I turned 21 is when they found out. So they found out a year later because my they were saying happy birthday and someone there actually knew because I was also working at some restaurants part-time to meet people um, they were like yeah you can finally drink and they all looked at me and they were like what are you talking about and because I had been drinking at company meetings prior to this I would I had a whole method to make myself look older I'd order virgin drinks at the bar and then I'd reorder a regular drink in front of them at a table had a whole scam to make myself look older trust me um Jill's not surprised by any of this right now and <laughs> so that was my first big career leap was actually moving mm -hmm. across the country by myself at the age of 19 to a place I had no idea where I was going to fake really knowing what the hell I was doing to run a store for, um, I ended up working for them total for six and a half years until they shut down. While they shut down, I transitioned into the bar business, love the restaurant business. Um, I can make a mean cocktail. So I'm really fun at parties. And that was fun for me because it got me out of my shell. So that would be my second big one is being in the restaurant business forces you to conversate with people and to entertain people. So I started to come out of my shell where I could start talking. Um, still couldn't get in front of a camera to save my life unless it was just photos only. Um, from that, one of our bar customers was in television and he said, wow, you can talk a lot. You need to do commercials. And I was like, no, I'm not doing a commercial ever. Like you are never getting me in front of a camera. And that was almost 17 years ago. <laughs> so I got in front of a camera, got really another you know, bar customer came in, I got the news job. Um, so I was bartending and working the morning news at the same time for five years. And from there, I got burnt out. And then I decided I needed to do more to help other people. So that transitioned me into the fitness world. 
and I met Jill and I guess, you know, with reframe, the rest is history. So I've had four major career things happen that completely shifted my outlook, my purpose and my demeanor. Um, and they were all drastically different, but somehow in some weird way, I've come back together to work in reframe. So very, very strange, but long, long answer to your question, Lindsay, but that's, I have a lot of them. <laughs> You and it, I feel like you and I could have a really fun phone call about young management opportunities because I had a similar experience when I was 17. Oh, wow. Okay. We don't, this is not about me today. So, another time. Another okay. Time. We'll talk about that. All right. <laughs> I want to hear your highlights, lady. Oh, dear. Where do we start? Uh, I'll start with the competition. Everyone usually likes that. And that's usually where people know me from is the competition world, like you said, for titles. Uh, the reason why I got into fitness competition prep, I was going through a divorce at the age of 25. I lived in England after I went to university. And unfortunately, that didn't work out and came back home. And it was a blow to go through a divorce at 25. None of my friends had gone through anything. None of my family had. So I was really kind of stuck in an area where I didn't have anybody to talk to. And I felt like my confidence and self-esteem had just plummeted. And at that age, well, if you change your outer appearance, you feel a lot better about yourself. So that was my healing journey was from the outside in literally over the past 10 years. And I decided if I was on stage, well, my ex-husband would be really jealous and I would look like a badass powerhouse. Um, so I did it to show him up. And then I realized the first time I got on stage, I actually really enjoyed it. So I continued to do that for four years and won two Arnold championships and Olympian title. And I literally thought that was going to be my life. Like I was living the high life that you see on social media, traveling the world, having sponsorships. I wouldn't say you go to parties or anything because you're working your ass off and you're eating basically, you know, that staple diet. I'm not going to go there on here. Um, <laughs> but then that time did come to an end a lot quicker than I expected. I was diagnosed with MS and then two months later was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. So at that point, my career had finished and I felt utterly washed up, went through depression, anxiety, and a lot of other um, identity crisis. And luckily, I, I love to read books. I love to educate myself. And I thought, well, I really need to start to understand why I'm thinking this way, why I feel this way and sabotaging my own happiness. Obviously, being on stage did not fix my issues with my divorce. And I knew that I had to get to grips with it. So I happened to find CBT. And that's kind of been a five-year journey now where I went to multiple different universities, studied it, fixed myself and just saw a whole new light. And then I just happened to realize that, oh my gosh, these principles actually work for health and fitness transformations and weight loss efforts and identity crisis and fitness competition. It was the missing piece that I had always wanted in my own coaching practice that I have done for 15 years. And so I opened up CBT Meets Fitness and I train other health and fitness professionals to learn that type of skills to, in order to help their clients. So that is probably one of my, my biggest wins in a career wise is to bring that into the health and fitness industry. And at that time as well, Kristen and I met from the cover of Strong Magazine, which we'll get into. And from there, when we met for the first time, I knew that we were just best friends. Who knew that was going to happen? And then lo and behold, a year later, we're, we opened up Reframe. 
doing photo shoot retreats and also helping business owners so that they don't get ripped off and basically make the mistakes that we had made. And I just couldn't be happier where we are right now. That's a beautiful transition to the next question, which was, it's like, okay, you, you <laughs> both have like independently, you've both built like these amazing brands and public personas and then and then you've come together like how did that work like how did how did you I like Kristen tell us she tells way better <laughs> stories than me I just get abrupt and then like I don't know what happens so she's way better <laughs> at telling stories that's the Dutch in you it's right. like, cut it direct. off <laughs> I'll get the ruler and smack behind my back or something right like <laughs> It's yeah, we this is why we balance each other out so well. So my brain's like over here and her brain's over it's it works out. Um so funny story of the you never know when the universe is working in your favor. You you think that you're at a highlight and then there's another highlight that's just circle like goes past everything you imagined. So we were both in Arizona. Again, going back to I was out there for the Fitposium conference. And Jill had happened to be on the cover of Strong Fitness Magazine. And that was what, September 2019, Jill? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. So I had obviously had a subscription to the magazine and had set a goal prior that year to be featured in said magazine because that was my favorite magazine. I was like, I want to be featured in a fitness magazine. I was a news anchor, not really heard of to go in and be in a sports bra in a magazine. And I wanted to, again, defy that stereotype, but I did not want to do it until after I turned 40. So I had turned 40, went out to Fitposium and ended up landing the spot in Strong Fitness Magazine that weekend. Well, prior to that, when Jill was on the cover, she actually was talking about CBT and introducing it kind of to the fitness world really for the first time, I mean, on a mm -hmm. national platform. And she also talked about losing her thyroid. The reason I left the news business, which a lot of people didn't know, was my health was quickly deteriorating to the point where I was barely functioning anymore, and they were going to take my thyroid. So I was growing lumps all over. I had biopsies every month. They didn't know what was going on with me. My hair was falling out. I had all of these issues, and I had reached out to her in a DM just when that cover came out. I got the magazine. I was like, this is a really honest story. And if anybody can get it, you can get it online digitally because it is a great article um, for any woman out there who's struggling with thyroid health or, you know, any issues that surround that. And I reached out to her and just thanked her as a normal person on Instagram. You know, I was like, she's, she's beautiful. She's probably really stuck up. She's not going to talk to me. I'll just send her a message. At least I have a blue verification check. So she knows I'm not crazy and I I'm at least in the media. So I don't look crazy. So I'm just going to reach out and send her a note. She answered back and said, um, you know, yeah, if you have any questions about what you're going through, if you have to go through the surgery, you know, let me know. Really, that was it. When I landed that stuff was strong a few months, two months later, really, um, in October, she sent me a DM. So she slid into my DMs that time. And I was happened to be there. And I was like, oh, Jill messaged me. And she was like, where are you? Are you in Arizona? And I was like, yeah, now I live in Virginia. Jill lives in Toronto in Canada. And she was like, I'm in Arizona. Where are you at? And I was like, I'm at this hotel. And she's like, I'm at the hotel right across the street. And I was like, no shit. <laughs> and she's like, well, do you want to get coffee? Like, 
hell yeah, I want to get coffee. And like, she's, yeah, like, sure, let's go cover model. Let's go get a coffee. And I was excited. So I told the girls that I was staying with, I was like, oh, Jill just messaged me. I'm going to meet her tomorrow before my strong shoot. And we're going to have coffee. Now I was like eating like an a-hole the whole weekend because it was a, you know, it was like spring break for us. So I was not prepared for said shoot. And so I told her, I was like, well, I'll have an iced tea, like a green tea. <laughs> I'm trying to get all this salt and dessert out of my system. And we met and just instantly kicked it off. And she told me all about CBT because I'm fascinated with brain science in general and how human beings interact and how we, you know, things stay with us and how it shapes us. I mean, I think it's fascinating. And I was doing an event back in Virginia in January. And I was like, hey, I've got this event called WellFit Social. I have guest speakers come and talk about all realms of fitness, you know, and I think CBT would be before I could even literally finish that sentence. She was like, oh, I'm coming. It's like, you are? She's like, yeah. It's like, well, who are you going to, you want to stay with me? Sure. I'm like, we've known each other for 30 minutes at this point. And she was like already moving in. I don't do that to men. (laughs) 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 Thank God no men are listening to this podcast probably. So they won't try and call you up. So we just ended up, yeah, before that, then we had an opportunity to do a retreat together from someone else that fell through, thankfully, but it gave us the idea that we should start something to help women fill the gap between being all excited in the conference and launching the actual business. And she flew down here a month and a half later. We did a marketing photo shoot together. She flew back down here in January to do my WellFit social event. And by that point, we were full throws into our reframe idea. And what, it took us not even three, four hours to come up with an entire business model and plan, right? Pretty much. When we got two good brains at it, it just meshed. And then we pivoted very well with COVID and had to fine tune some things. But, you know, it's most businesses would close after just starting out with what we've had to deal with. I haven't even seen this girl like face to face in a year and a half, but that doesn't stop us. So, you know, there's some resilience and strength right there. And I'm so blessed for what we can do. Yeah, it's it's just a funny story, because you never (laughs) think working with someone, I never imagined I would work well with with another partner. And you Mm -hmm. guys can attest to that as well. It's, It's very hard to find other women that you can work on the same level. There's no animosity. We both Mm -hmm. know our strengths. We both accept our faults. We both balance each other out. And it is really serendipitous that we, we ended up together because we really do balance each other out, but we do have the same thought process on everything. Mm -hmm. And I guess our biggest thing when we decided to start the company was our moral, moral compass. Um, We have brand ideals in place that we do not deviate from. So if either of us falter on those brand ideals, then we, we know that that's a problem. Um, Mm -hmm. And that helps us a lot. I mean, as women working together to like set those things, like this is what we're going to do. This is what I, you know, believe. This is what I believe. Mm -hmm. This is our focus as far as, you know, monetary. This is our focus as far as growth. And we kind of laid it out there pretty quickly. And we were literally like right in sync on everything. So it's, it's really been an amazing, not Mm -hmm. even, not even two years. um, Yeah. (laughs) I just, I just totally believe that when you like, when you're on the right path, the universe gives you like a really good nudge in the right direction. And sometimes it's just like, you get into that slip slipstream and it's like, Oh shit. Wow. We're, (laughs) wow. We're done. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, that, that's, it's, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, it's all energy. Like nerdy as it is, it's quantum physics. At the end of the day, we're objects and have energy. And when you have positive energy putting out, you get it back. And that's mm-hmm. what we just totally believe in what we offer and how we bounce ideas off each other. Yeah, we, we have just energy poles, even like a country away. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I want to underscore what you did at the very beginning around the context setting and getting an alignment on the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. So that you could come from, because in my relationships, and Jen and I can share to this too, uh, if you start with those core agreements and vision as to how you want your day-to-day to be and where you're coming from, from a purpose standpoint, it's a compass you line everything up against. Mm-hmm. And when you start from that place and you get that all out on the table, you can work from such a vibrant and magical place because you already know ahead of time, the context has been set. And so from there, it's just like, how are we going to paint the canvas? Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, if that stuff gets done later, it gets a little clunky sometimes. So good on you for setting things up. And I would imagine that what is what in large part makes you such great coaches to the businesses that you work with. And so I would love to hear like, what are some of the common challenges or questions that you get tossed from either a branding or a business mm-hmm. perspective that you get from your clients? Either one of you can jump in mm-hmm. here. Well, I would say from like, we've got a lot of design and technical stuff that Kristen deals with like exponentially, like graphic design web and just like full encompassing marketing is a huge aspect that a lot of people struggle with. And Kristen can troubleshoot any of that stuff. And I more look at like behind the scenes of why can't they do that? You know, what's stopping that person because that person is part of the brand, right? A brand is not like McDonald's. We're not dealing with corporations. We're dealing with solopreneurs that uh, they are the brand, right? So mm-hmm. the biggest component is themselves and how they show up. So I take the CBT thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. We have thoughts. Some days we feel like shit, like maybe I shouldn't be a coach. Maybe I shouldn't even run this business. I don't even know what the hell I'm doing. Then we feel like crap. And then what do we do? We just avoid it. And then we just drink alcohol instead of actually doing the stuff that we need to do. Or we just spend time on social media scrolling instead of building the foundations. So I look at, yes, these things aren't being done, but why? And look at the person in the brain and bring the CBT component behind the aspect so that we can then figure out what that is and then apply that to the technical standpoints that they have to do for their business. And then Chris and I can work together on that in order to deliver the products or services that our clients are after. Yeah. Yeah. And I think women in general, especially in the fitness industry, and part of the reason Jill and I came together on this was they are underserved and undervalued. Women in the fitness industry in general don't realize how important they truly are because there's not a wow factor when you say what you do. So a lot of our clients have either been just personal trainers in a regular gym or they're just branching out on their own due to the pandemic and having to be online or losing a job. And we, our main thing is every job is a business. You have to treat your job as a business. You are the brand. You are a hundred percent your brand. And a lot of them come to us mainly with the question of where the hell do I even start? I, all I am is all I am as a personal trainer. No, you, you are an expert who has dedicated time, money, education to helping mm-hmm. other people. So you are not just a personal trainer and we have to stop saying those things about ourselves. And I, that was my hardest transition from news world was labels because mm-hmm. I was labeled as a news anchor. When you say I'm a news anchor, everybody's like, oh, wow, that's so amazing. You're so smart. 
hell no, I didn't go to college for this. I just show up and can talk. I, I, it's not, doesn't, but am I, sure, I'm smart sometimes, but when it comes to that, I just was able to do it. But, you know, I had to step away and say, okay, well, I'm going to work with women in fitness. Oh, okay. Like it's not as exciting to people. So we tend to think, you know, the wow factor has to be there for us to be successful. And it does not in any way, shape or form. So a lot of it is just realizing what your brand is and actually just finding your gifts and how to speak your own voice, because that's the other thing we always find is people who come in and say, I was told that I need to do this, this, and this to be successful. And I need to sell saying this, this, and this, why am I failing? The reason you're failing is it's not your voice and it's not the way it feels good to you. So the beauty is when Jill, you know, with the CBT side of it, and I've learned so much from her, um, is, you know, just sitting there and taking a step back and really psychoanalyzing yourself of what works for you. And that is the part that, you know, is missing in the industry of people really just jumping to these endpoints. Like I'm going to build out a $5,000 website, but I have no freaking clue what I'm going to sell or what my name, I could change my name in two weeks. I haven't gotten insurance. I haven't even, you know, set myself up as an LLC. I like people miss all of these steps. Um, so we really deal with, I guess, more of the foundation um, and mm-hmm. building the fundamentals of business, which again, not sexy. So it doesn't sell in that sense. People want to get to the fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And I know that because I'm a creative. So all I want to do is design all day, but I have to do have to do some of the actual scenes <laughs> work sometimes. Jill makes me. <laughs> so we even appreciate the other side, I think. <laughs> we, we work we work well. That's what we say is we, we take we take brands to therapy. That's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> yes, pretty much. However that therapy looks, because it's individual to, to you and what you need. Yeah. Um, it could be sipping a margarita or it could be Act. It could be crying for half an hour. Whatever works for you works for us. <laughs> We're pretty good. We're pretty open. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, so you're, you're both uh, going to be speaking about how to find your brand personality on, uh, at, on the WeFo May Retreat. Mm-hmm. on May 14th. Uh, what are you going to, can you, can you give us a little bit of a sneak peek of, or a preview of what we can expect to learn? Well, I don't want to give away our top tips because like they're pretty <laughs> badass, but I'll, I'll give you one uh, question that we like to use in our group and any of our one-to-one calls that we do with our clients is when we get really afraid or we're not sure we should be doing something or we just feeling our gut really like I don't really know if I want to go down this road or sell this type of service or program I'm just unsure maybe I don't want to do Facebook ads whatever it is it just seems off and we know when that feeling's there and we don't listen we usually just ask the question what advice would you give to your daughter so it's just like any diet or exercise if they're going to do a cotton ball diet because you read this shit that stuff's crazy the cotton ball diet is five cotton balls and orange juice. People do it, right? So if your daughter said, Mom, I want to take the cotton ball diet, you'd be like, that's not very smart. Would you support that? No. That's what we want to bring into our business is asking that question to ourselves. Would I want my daughter to do this? And if not, you know that answer right away. There's your question. And then we can troubleshoot a lot of things. So that's one question we have within our five tips that we give in the podcast, but I don't want to give away the five tips because they're so darn good this is so much fun right now 
it was good. It was good. Like that, that, that kind of framing perspective question is, is, is fantastic. And it, mm. and like, you can use that throughout your day. Sure. Yeah. Anything, anything you're going to post, you know, and we know a lot of us deal with that. Should I do this? Should I post this in the fitness industry in general? Um, mm-hmm. Because we know the sexy images sell, but if it doesn't feel good to you and, you know, even if you are not a mom, you still know what that question feels like mm-hmm. or say it about your, you know, maybe your best friend or your niece or someone that you, you know, a younger, a younger female, what would you represent mm-hmm. to them? And if it, you know, feels good and it fits in your brand and we're all for brand openness, whatever fits mm-hmm. you and your brand, rock it out. Like if that's your core purpose and your brand ideals are based on that, you can do whatever the hell you want to. And social media is your playground, but we have to, we have to rail it in sometimes when you're really trying to get to building a brand that's sustainable and will actually grow with you and feel good to you through the whole process, because Mm -hmm. you don't want to start over again and again, just because you haven't put enough time and effort into what you're really good at. Mm Yeah. Yeah. Magic. Well, and just the like, kind of like, what advice would you give your friend? Like, it's, it's one of those, like, think outside of the context of, you know, Ooh. me, 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 it's all about me. Like, what would you really pour out or be of service? And, and I love that. And it's, it ties into May, um, in the month of May at WIFA, we're centering our topics around overcoming perfectionism, and especially female fitness. Uh, wow. Talk about a yeah area and what mm-hmm. is the measure of perfection and all these things and so I thought it would be fun to ask y'all a couple of questions back and forth between Jen and I around um, what these perspectives are for you all because you've you know you're you've progressed through so many iterations of your career like you've shared mm-hmm. but that also is your fitness journey too and just I mean mm-hmm. as a woman like my body changes constantly and so that journey of self-love so I want to know um there the question is how am I holding myself to an imagined standard that doesn't exist? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, we all, I mean, that's human nature, right, Jill? We talk about this all the time. It's human nature to compare yourself. To say you're not going to have comparison is idiotic. I mean, we're going to compare. It's just in our nature to compare mm-hmm. ourselves. And for, I mean, Jill can talk more to that on the the, the brain science side, mm-hmm. but I think yeah, perfection, is, it, it gets all of us. I mean, I remember the time when I said, if I ever got over 135 pounds, I would starve myself. And that was in my, you know, teens, early teens. Mm-hmm. And I did get to that point um, where I would stop eating. And I was wearing, I was 5'8", almost the height of 5'9 um, now. I was 5'8 mm-hmm. in middle school and I wore a size double zero. Um, my nickname was AIDS patient because I was so skinny. They said that I, and that was when HIV and AIDS, that was in, you know, early nineties lady. That's when it was coming up in the media. And that was my thing with it of perfectionism was I thought that made me perfect because I could keep getting thin and I worked all day on the farm and I put out a lot of calories. So I just wouldn't eat and I'd stay really skinny. Um, obviously not healthy nor sustainable, And as I got through high school, I started to fill out, like you said, Lindsay, we all, as women, like we finally develop. And I I fought through that until, until after my second child. So I would say that was pretty much almost 15 years of fighting that stereotype um, and really doing that thousand calorie, 1200 calorie diet and trying to be perfect and work out for two hours a day. 
Um, and I found old food journals that I wrote in that had like 1100 calories a day. Um, you know, and it was disgusting. I look back at it now and I'm like, why the hell did I do that? But it's because we hold ourselves to these standards and we don't have other women there to tell us it's okay to not be like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, so it took me, I mean, I'm anybody out there who's still struggling with that perfection journey. I mean, you are perfect at every stage. It's just, it's just a, a growth, growth aspect. You have to accept it. I feel, mm-hmm. you know, it's definitely shaped me a lot to after kids. Um, and now, you know, COVID as well, I call it the COVID curves because I am way more voluptuous now than I've ever been in my entire life. And I'm kind of loving it because my butt is huge and I think it looks great. So I, I am enjoying this part of life where it's actually that way. But for a lot of people, it's still really hard to accept. And I know that, that'll never go away. I don't expect my brain to ever not say, oh, I need to do this just a little bit better. I think that's just natural. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, I'll piggyback off that. I, I'm a recovering, recovering perfectionist for sure. Like that's taken me a while and I'm proud of that label. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but definitely being a competitor, that's what you're judged on. So even looking back as kids, what do we play with Barbie dolls? We are shown that this is what beauty is, but it is Western culture. And it's not that it's wrong. It's just, we need to be aware of this is what ideals are set in general and teaching our kids like, This is what Western society sees as beautiful. It's not that it's right or wrong, but this is something that needs to change. It will take a while, but obviously going into being a competitor, I wanted to be Barbie and literally looking at those photos on the outside in most people said you are perfect. I hated my body. I like my body more now than I ever have. But looking at those photos from the outside, I was trying to be perfect, look perfect. Everyone said, wow, I want to be her. But I was like, so abusive to myself on the inside and what I would say to myself but it was that journey of okay I've changed my outside but I can change my outside as much as I want but that does not change the inside and honestly it doesn't matter how thin you are or what you weigh it does not fix the problem that's inside and you got to put the work in and I did Mm -hmm. and now I look back and say wow I am perfectly imperfect And I also look that anybody that's struggling with this perfectionism and this gray area, this all or nothing and being in the gray, that's what I like to call it rather than being imperfect. I like to live in this area of gray is looking at what is good enough and what is exceptional, right? So as women, we say, I'm just not good enough. If I'm 130 pounds or I look like this, I'll be good enough. Or if I follow my food plan, you know, perfectly, I get all my workouts in, I do my cardio. This is just an example. I'm good enough. And I usually get people to then say, okay, well, explain to me, write down what is good enough to you. They write it all down. And then we look at it and say, well, actually, is that not exceptional? And they look and they say, wow, my good enough is actually exceptional standards. I just didn't see it. And then they rewrite their good enough. And it could be, I eat my food plan half the time. That's good enough. doesn't mean we want to be good enough. We want to be exceptional. But even on their worst of days, they're still more than good enough when they start to look at things in the gray area that's what I kind of teach, but it is a long process to get there. It doesn't happen overnight, but there is just something beautiful when we start to look inside ourselves and give ourselves some compassion. Yeah. This is why I keep her around. (laughs) (laughs) She keeps my sanity too. We keep our sanity in check together. I think that's important too. And you guys, you guys with WEFA have a great group where people can get into the groups and actually talk about real problems. And Mm -hmm. I think that that is more needed than ever because if I didn't have, you know, Jill to go through some of the things I've went through emotionally over the past year and trying to 
just deal with stress and hormone health and everything else. I, I probably, I mean, I wouldn't be here talking to you. I'd probably be just out trying to distract myself and forget my life. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's, yeah, WIFA does, you guys do do a great job of that, of letting women know this is a safe space for people Mm -hmm. to come and talk. I really feel like there needs to be more conversations around these things. It's like the, what, what you, what, like I'm, I'm 44. I, I, I had a ovary removed when I was 25 because it had a tumor on it. So I'm going through menopause early and I'm just like, at the moment, there's no one in my age group that is really relating to where I am hormonally. And it's hard to have those conversations. So I really feel like we we owe the sector some some conversations about yeah. the the struggles that we go through because everything everything is cyclic with us which mm-hmm. means i'm a, i'm a different person in a week hormonally mm-hmm. everything is different in a week for for all of us and uh in and yet it's still so tough to have conversations around that and therefore it's tough to have conversations around you know, how our bodies are feeling because week to week that changes as well, month to month, year to year. Mm-hmm. No one's having a really open conversations about how, how we're feeling about aging and feeling good as, as we get older. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and the things we do maybe not to look older <laughs> and how that's totally okay. If, if yeah. you're doing it for yourself, yeah. um, like there's a, there's a big gap of conversations that I feel like we really need to have more of. And by breaking down the the perfectionism conversation that opens the floodgates for those conversations, which I think will really help with the, like bringing up the, the temperature and (laughs) self-acceptance in general. Well, all I say is that our version of perfect, we see somebody just like Kristen said, we compare I urge somebody to ask them, be like, well, what do you think perfect is? I guarantee they will not say themselves. They're going to say someone else, which is going to say someone else, which just goes to show you we're all imperfectly perfect and we're never going to have the answer. There's not one version of perfect. It doesn't exist. No, not at all. That's yeah, the best way to put it. I think Mm -hmm. that's, and I've had friends that have reached very high levels of success in modeling world, of course, Jill in the fitness world Mm -hmm. that are these like beautiful creatures as you see them because you're like wow that must be you know amazing but then when you hear the real stories obviously I was the one misconceived I mean we all do it we all think somebody's either going to be and that's just because we're used to it we're used to women either being catty or stuck up or you know you're used to oh she just must be conceited when you know we're really just trying to fit in and be accepted Um, and we go over the top to be accepted sometimes which may mean you know wear more makeup or trying to use filters and things like that. And when Jill reached out, that was my first assumption of her was like, she's, you know, I didn't even want to kind of be myself, which is extremely crass. And I curse a lot. So I was like trying to be on my best behavior because I was like, oh, she's been on these covers and she must be this, this, and this. And I couldn't have been farther from the truth of any of it, (laughs) quite honestly. And we immediately, I was like, wow, why did I think that? in the first place, like what led me to assume that she would be this way? It's because she's this pretty blonde, like that she must be this thing that I've known from movies and stereotypes over Mm -hmm. the years. Um, And my other friends who have been very successful in modeling were all the ones who had their husbands cheat on them and had horrible things happen to them. And you're like, 
well, why, you know, and then everybody's like, oh, she's hot. He's never going to cheat on her. Like those, those are the things that we have these big misconceptions about what women go through in general. And essentially I tell Jill knows this. I, we find the commonality. Everyone mm-hmm. has something in common. Yeah. Everyone has one detail in their life, whether it be a struggle like Jen, I could talk to you about, I'm going through the hormone stuff too. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have another conversation offline. Cause I am right yeah. there with you right now at 40 turning 42 and, you know, we all have something in common. So if we take two seconds mm-hmm. to just listen and look past the photos and past the facades and see that everybody's just a human being trying to be accepted. And yeah. once we get to that level, we can have all of those conversations mm-hmm. without worrying because we don't want to be judged for bringing it up. But once we get into these conversations, all of us light up because we're like, yeah, I can actually talk and, and be mm-hmm. free with my words and my feelings. Um, it, it mentally, and that's a huge breakthrough and some people it's going to take them a while to get there, but Mm -hmm. you need to know it's out there. Like there are people who want to talk about these things with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. This is the, the conversation that it's brought us to, because it it really ties into why we're having this conversation. It ties into why Visa exists. And it's the, so much of what's important as the foundational skill is getting two women to agree to being open to helping each other. Mm-hmm. Right. And so once you get that common ground laid, you start relating, you swap a couple stories, you go me too. And then any notion of competition or anything of that drops, this is my mm-hmm. experience. And collaboration becomes the gateway for the, for the relationship. Yeah. And you realize you can, you can do so much more together than you could alone. And that that's, I think, what's going to, what it's going to take. Yeah, I agree. The future. And thank God there's, you know, four of us right here. And I know hundreds more within the WIFA community that are committed to that aim. So Mm -hmm. um, just thank you for your openness on this call today. We always end the podcast with some really fun, poppy, rapid fire questions to feel it off. (laughs) We're going to transition to that. You don't even know what's about to happen. You ready? I'm ready. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll do the first one. So Jill mm-hmm. and then Kristen, you can answer too. We're women. I don't mean a stereotype, but like, what is your favorite beauty hack right now? COVID-19. Talk a lie. I've been locked down for a year. That's my hack. Yeah. You don't have to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> I am so healthy. You're saving money left and right because you're not going anywhere. You're not buying any products. You're not coloring your hair. Amazing. Uh, mine is spray tans. I Jill knows, like, I, I just got a laser facial. I got one of those halo laser facials because aging, and I'm trying to naturally age, so I'm using these tactics, and I couldn't spray tan for three weeks, and I'm, like, translucent because I am that white, so I had to get a spray tan, and it always makes me feel better, even if I'm feeling like, you know, like, just not myself or I'm feeling bloated. Spray tan, that is my go-to, like, so it solves everything for me. Mm. Oh, yes. I, I was, <laughs> I was like, I'm like, I feel like tilapia. It's time. I feel translucent. It's time to go get <laughs> tilapia. That's awesome. Welcome to my world. I don't get past translucent and spray tans. <laughs> like I'm so white spray tan oranges me. 
<laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Well, then bronzer. Yeah, something. <laughs> I keep on waiting for someone to say the the Zoom lipstick is the beauty hack, but no one's gotten there. Not yet. No, no, I use, but do you know Zoom has the beauty filter on it? So I, if anybody's like, you have to go into your video settings and you can bump up your filter. Don't do it all the way, but do it halfway. And then that way you at least look right now, my, I, my skin, you guys, I look okay on here, but I look like crap right now. It's just so we're all aware. <laughs> I went to the gym. Like I'm, I'm using this filter today. I'm not ashamed. <laughs> Excellent. I- there's there's also makeup if you go deeper into Zoom. So I'm just going to bump yeah. up my lipstick. Nicely done, girl. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, you yeah. guys are listening. You have to try that. I didn't see the lipstick. Okay, I'm going to try that one. Okay. It's there's our beauty hack. Both your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> that question took a, like, long turn. Weird turn. Okay. Um, your next three trips out of lockdown. The gym? Okay. <laughs> The hair salon. Okay. And seeing my bestie. Okay. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, in Virginia, we're uh, really not in huge (laughs) lockdown. So I am actually doing our women's retreat next weekend here in Virginia beach. So we have uh, 10 women coming here. So that is going to be my first kind of away from home trip since all of this. Um, And then I am going to Canada to see Jill and then I think we are going to take the family somewhere really fun, um, Jamaica or Costa Rica or Hawaii. Those are the, the kids want to go to one of those three places. So nice. we'll let them pick. <laughs> you cannot go wrong. I think that, that, no. that's, that's a win-win choice. Yeah. Win-win-win. All of them. Mm-hmm. So what are you streaming or watching right now? Any shows or movies you're hooked on? The Serpent. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know what that one is. Uh, it's some murder shit. Ah, okay. We'll just leave it there. Watch it if you like murders. <laughs> Want to watch murders? Listen to Jill. Want to watch really crazy superhero stuff? Listen to me. Um, we're watching, uh, we watch anything Marvel, like Disney and with the kids. So obviously we're watching Star Wars Clone Wars right now. We're watching uh, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And um, gosh, we finished just about everything I think that is on Netflix, HBO Max and Hulu at this point in my existence through this lockdown. So I've watched pretty much everything. Have you seen the meme that just says I finished Netflix? Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's kind of how I feel right now. So we've watched almost every show um, and it's, yeah, it's been very entertaining um, overall. So that's okay. I'm, but I'm ready to not watch Netflix, just to be honest. Right. I hear you. So let's do this. As we wrap up for the day, talk to us about um, anything you're launching or anything you want to tell the audience about coming up for you. I know of a couple of things that I could mention. Yeah. Uh, and then also where we can find you so that we can tell all the audience how to keep in touch. Yeah, well, we're actually, um, we are finally just doing our branding photo shoot reframe retreats. And that is now starting in 2021. So that was the original idea in 2019 that got pushed back over a year and almost a half. And we are finally launching them. So we are doing content creation retreats where you get hundreds of photos 
video teams, hair, makeup, and photos with other women all in one day. So you get six months to a year of content in one day or one weekend. So we have created something that will help women really stop wasting time on unnecessary photo searching and content to post on social (laughs) media. So that is the big one. We are going to be doing more of them this year uh, throughout the year. The next one will be in Arizona in September. So that'll be the next big Mm -hmm. one that we are doing. Um, And we actually have our brand builder network. So Jill and I, as we talked in the beginning about brand ideals and values, Mm -hmm. um, one of our values really was value, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, just ironic, but (laughs) We decided during the pandemic, women do not have the money to invest in $10,000 masterminds or, you know, five, five, $10,000 coaching programs. So we put everything that we know from the past 40 years of combined Mm -hmm. business into one training program. And we charge less than a dollar a day for it. And we have women in there who can learn pretty much everything about building their business from the ground up. So Mm -hmm. We, we will not change that, despite what most people have told us to up mm-hmm. the prices. We will not do it because that is one of our moral standings mm-hmm. is to help as many women as we can. So those are the two big things we have going on right now, Jill. I, I think you? those are the biggest things. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think they're they're both pretty big. They I think they're up, pretty big. They take up a lot of our time, and we definitely commit ourselves to that yeah. uh, quite a bit. But yeah, if anybody wants to jump in and say hi, we would love to follow anybody in WeFa. We try to find all the members, but um, our collaborative account is at Reframe Your Biz on Instagram. I'm at Kristen Crowley TV. Jill is at at Fit Bunny Jill. Yep. And then, yeah, reframeyourbiz.com. It's pretty yep. easy. So we tried to make it as easy as possible for people to to get get help. And if anybody mm-hmm. just honestly has a question, we are open books about literally every mistake and dollar we've spent and wasted. And yeah, we, we try and keep other people from doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you for spending your time with the WeFa audience today. I know I have had a blast. Yeah. Oh, me too. That was awesome. Yes. Yes. And Thank you. We for audience, we will see you out there. Have a magical day. WeFa Waves is brought to you by actually, this is an opportunity. Right now, WeFa Waves is offering commercial spots to your organization. Contact us at askwefa at womeninfitness.org and let's share your platform with our audience.